Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory, founder of TeamsRock.com. Join us as Greg interviews thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from professional sports to manufacturing to business and industry. Now, let's join Greg for another powerful episode of the Teamwork Advantage. Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage. Hi, I'm Greg Gregory, certified speaking professional and host, moderator, and founder of the Teamwork Advantage. Our podcast focuses in on teamwork, leadership, and culture, what we like to call the TLC. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you're coming back because you heard some amazing shows, welcome back to the show, and we're not going to disappoint you today. If you've listened to us over the uh, last 18, 24, 36 months or so, you know that we talk about these three key areas. You also know that there's a couple of things that really resonate over and over again. And one of those is in communication. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is how do we communicate, both with our teams at home, with our teams at work, teams in the field, our church teams, our synagogue teams, our temple teams, it doesn't matter. We all have to understand how we communicate on so many different levels. So joining us today, is somebody that I've had the privilege to know for several years now, Patty Danucci, and she believes that it's not how many people you know or talk to, it's the quality of your conversations as well as those connections. She's the author of the award-winning success guide, The Intentional Networker, and for those of you in sales and marketing, you know how important that is. A lot of other folks don't realize it. Networking is critical throughout your career as well. Attracting powerful relationships is what that book is all about. Referrals, results, and business has just released her new book, More Than Just Talk. I cannot wait to get into this a little bit more. It's the essential guide for anyone who wants to have better conversations, and we're going to talk about that in depth. Patty's also a speaker, workshop facilitator, consultant. She's worked with organizations that include Microsoft, Rodan and Fields, HEB out of Texas, uh, MGM Resorts, Hewlett Packard, Texas Conference for Women, I could go on and on with her list of clients that she's worked with to help their teams, event participants, learn how to attract and experience and enjoy more. And I love the term, Patty, meaningful conversations. Thank it's you. It's a term I was fortunate to learn from a, a colleague that you and I both know, Mark LeBlanc. Mm, and, absolutely. And uh, shared that with me for years. So I've really learned to live and understand that. So Patty, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you, Greg. How kind of you to have me on. I think this is going to be a nice fit and a great conversation. I just know it. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had the privilege to chat. I mean, pandemic and all that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, before we get into your book and your background and everything, tell us how you got here. What did you wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to write a couple of books. I'm going to be an expert in communication. I won't say I did that. In fact, if you had told me that I was going to be doing this for a living in this part of my life, I, I would have been a little skeptical about that. But I, I think I've been, I've been immersed in this all my life, and I didn't even know it. And I say that because I grew up in a family, I grew up in a small mining town in northern Minnesota, and my dad and grandfather were the local Chevrolet dealers. And they literally built and expanded and kept their business going one conversation at a time. So I had really incredible social role models, both in, you know, on my father's side of the family and also with my mom. She was more introverted, but one of the kindest people 
you'll ever meet. And um, I think I was born into this. And through the course of a communications career, doing marketing communications, building my own business, um, I learned that people kept asking me over and over again, you know, how do you do this? What's the secret? How come you know so many cool people? How come you get so many referrals? What's the secret to that? And, you know, you can only go to coffee so many times or speak so many times for free a topic before it dawns on you. Um, maybe I should write a book. So that's where the intentional networker came from, you know, and then that launched my professional speaking career, got into the workshop facilitation and more than just talk came along because people kept asking me more questions on, okay, the networking part. Okay, we get that. But what about the conversation piece? I mean, what am I supposed to say? How do I keep a conversation going? How do I exit a conversation I'm not enjoying? How do I get out of the small talk loop? All those questions. So more than just talk is my attempt at answering a lot of questions about conversation. And it's fascinating because you just hit on a couple of the key things I want to make sure we dive into the small talk loop and yeah. getting out of those conversations we don't really want to be in. Uh -huh. You know, that's one of those for challenges. For whatever reason, for whatever reason. Now, your first book, though, about the intentional networker, uh, there's been an expression around for years. Um, it's not what you know that gets you a job. It's who you know that gets you in the door. But it's what you do and how you communicate and how you work that keeps you in a job like that. Am absolutely. I on the right path there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, studies show that if you want an edge in business, it's the ability to talk to others and not just about business topics, but also about a variety of other topics. Are you someone that people enjoy being around, enjoy working with, enjoy buying from, enjoy consulting with? you know, you know, as a consultant that people have to like you to bring you in and have you help them. Yeah, it's that That's, bedside manner, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. You know, so we kind of got into the the gist of what your book, your new book is about more than just talk. But let's let's kind of dive into a couple of little things here. You use the term better conversations. And in your bio, we talked about meaningful conversations. How do you define those? Well, I, I think there's some basic principles of better conversation and meaningful conversations. And, and those are traits like um, interest, curiosity, caring. Um, it's nice and enjoyable and even fun to talk to someone who's interested in us. Mm -hmm. and, and those are huge things. Um, grace, likability, the ability to stay positive, the ability to um, pay attention to what's going on in the conversation and steer it in all kinds of interesting directions. But I will say with my book, I do give readers an opportunity to define what better conversations mean for them, because I've interviewed a lot of people. And when they answer, you know, what is a meaningful conversation? What's a good conversation? What's an interesting conversation? The answers can vary from, oh, I like to, to talk about books over a cup of tea in a quiet living room versus, oh, I like a lively political debate over dinner with some of my very intelligent friends. And, you know, I think everybody has a different idea of what that is. And if you can combine your tastes and your topics and your setting with some of the best practices that I outline in my book, you're going to end up with a lot more good conversations. And the interesting part is when we're talking conversations, it's not just 
in the personal life, it's not just the cocktail parties and the holiday events and things like that, that so many people really go, oh gosh, I gotta go to this. It's about work and how we have everyday conversations. And right. it's not about walking in and going, hi, Patty, I need this taken care of by Friday. It's about going in and oh. understanding you and communicating and creating an environment. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's even going down to the very basics of acknowledging our coworkers. Um, I have a friend that does some consulting in businesses much like you do. And she went in for just a, a visit, you know, spend the day at our company. And one of the things she noticed that when um, the CEO and president had people come into her office, she was not even looking up from her computer. She would stay on her computer. I guess it's kind of like that movie Devil Wears Prada, where <laughs> Meryl Streep plays this horrible person who's running this magazine and anyway you know yep. a, a, an employee would come into the office to ask a question or seek some advice and the boss is not even looking up from her computer and um, my friend who is this consultant said you know we're going to start with you here's what you're going to start doing you're going to start um, acknowledging the people who come into your office you're going to look up from your computer take your hands off the keyboard greet them call them by name invite them to sit down and then say, tell me what's on your mind, what's happening. And she said single-handedly just that changed mm -hmm. the whole culture of the entire office because, you know, it starts at the top. Oh, absolutely. And my question would be, how hard was it for that person to make that move? You know, I don't know. That might've been difficult for that. I don't know. It's for some of us, once it's pointed out, it's easy to change, but for other people, that's a habit that, um, you know, we weren't taught these things. Exactly. You know, the I, other one I, I that was gets really, me is when people yeah. are sitting there and they're on their phone, okay, or they're having a conversation and a phone call comes in and all of a sudden they allow themselves to go in a whole different direction. Right. That signifies, of course, the other person's not important at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's where respect comes in. Whenever we're um, engaged with another human being, we have to remember we need to respect that person. Mm -hmm. We have feel there are feelings associated with not being recognized, acknowledged, heard, um, brought, invited into a conversation when you're in group settings. Uh, those it brings up a lot of negative, sad feelings for people. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's so very let's, basic. Let's look at let's look at something right now. You know, in March of 2020. The whole world got turned upside down. Mm, As we were sure. chatting before, a lot of good things have come out of it. A lot of some bad things have come out of it. How has communication changed through the pandemic? Well, it's interesting you say through the pandemic, because there are people that will tell you that this has been going on for years mm -hmm. and that the pandemic accentuated it and, and brought it to life. So, yep. so let's preface it by that. Um, we have so many obstacles that are keeping us from engaging with each other. And you can blame technology, our smartphones, our laptops, our streaming media. Um, and those are definitely distractions. And, and people have this um, illusion that being on social media is the same as being in a conversation. And it's not. Uh, it's not even close. It doesn't even, even run being on Zoom. I mean, I love that we're on Zoom and I can see you, but honestly, we're not seeing each other in three dimension. It's a two dimensional thing, yep. but it's better. It's better than mm -hmm. just by phone or going back and forth by text. Um, so there's technology, but we've also had these attitudes about 
other people don't matter. Um, other people are dangerous. Other people are annoying. And so we have this mental chatter that somehow is keeping us from engaging, even for brief conversations, which are so important. Oh, another one. Other people are time wasters, which, yes, they can be, but most people aren't. <laughs> and I think at the very least, we're missing those little short conversations. The, what I the used way, to call the water cooler break. The water cooler break, the water cooler break, talking to the barista that's making your coffee, asking him or her, how, how's the day going? Um, talking to your neighbors. I, I go out on walks every morning and I make it a point to talk to my neighbors. I, and I, I will say through the pandemic, I made more of an effort. And I tell you what, I have some of the most fascinating neighbors. I, there's a guy in our neighborhood who's a beautiful watercolorist. There's a guy that is a touring musician that used to tour with every rock band you've ever heard of. He's here. And um, I, I think that the isolation of the pandemic actually, and the fact that I was working on this book, made me more mindful of mm -hmm. just how valuable those little conversations are. It's actually brain science, too. We're getting little bursts of oxytocin, which are the tendon befriend mm. hormone. Um, and those little bursts make us happy. That's that's fascinating there. Um, I didn't realize it released the oxytocin in the brain. Yeah. And oxytocin does not stay in your body for very long. No. It's so we need these little do we need to be greeting each other and saying hello, not in a crazy, weird way, but it just we are part of the human we're race. We're social beings. We're social. We were we have been wired to be social for survival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure it's you interesting probably because I've got a couple of neighbors and I just moved into my neighborhood, you know, less than two years ago. Okay. And there are people that have lived here for 20 years and I'm talking to them and they say, you know, more people down here and I've lived here for 20 years. How do you do that? It's called get out and meet people. Get out and meet you. Well, you're interested. You're curious. You're interested, mm -hmm. which are two very basic feelings that I think we've forgotten to, to try to bring up. Mm -hmm. um, that caring, that curiosity, why is it that somehow we've stopped caring about each other? So when I was talking about the pandemic, we missed the water cooler breaks, we missed those conversations. Mm -hmm. And again, when you and I are communicating even here, we can get some nuances with the vocabulary that you're using, with the tonality of your voice, the speed and all that stuff, or what I call the pitch mm -hmm. power and pace all of that when we go to emails text slack ims we lose that boy we we lose it and you know as you know there's so much room for misinterpretation you know we, we may not hear someone can say something that is um serious but if they say it in a kind voice and with kind micro expressions on their face and kind body language it softens the blow a little bit but i mean i have said things that seemed really really you know <laughs> innocuous in text messages um and gotten responses that shocked me like wow i don't get how you took offense to that comment but you know whatever's going on in the other person's mind is yeah. impacting the conversation it so yeah this has. is so much better Oh, so much better. And I got to tell you, Zoom is better than a phone call. Yes. Phone call is better than a text. Mm -hmm. Or an email. In, or email. Mm -hmm. Because again, you go from a 
right now we're in a two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You go to a phone or text messages, you're down to almost a one. In a phone, yeah. you're still somewhat two-dimensional. Right. But you go to a text or an email, you're in a one dimension. Yeah, and think of all the workplace cultures where there's so much emphasis on productivity. And I've actually had clients, you know, pull me aside and tell me stories about, um, and I'll share one with you, about how, I'm going to use the word toxic, toxic or inhuman, in, not inhumane, but inhuman, the work culture can be. Like, there was a woman at a high-tech company that said, um, she was new to the company, and she said it was most disturbing to her that she'd be invited to a meeting and the person facilitating the meeting didn't even bother to, in, to allow people to introduce themselves in the room. And if you got to the meeting early and you started making sm any small talk whatsoever, people looked at you like, can't you see I'm still working here? It was very unfriendly, very um, passive aggressive, very uh, let's not even let you communicate. Let's not even have you know who's in this room. You know, you see all these faces and it's a big company and you're not sure what level do these people work on? What department mm -hmm. are they in? And I don't see how that lends itself towards teamwork and productivity and, you know, a desire to perform. I don't know where that comes from and why that persists. So I want to ask you a very simple, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those questions that's going to be weaved around a lot. Okay. What are the benefits of being a better conversationalist? Oh, there's so many. There's so many. For, for one, there's a study out of Harvard that has been going on for something like 85 years. It was on the one of the section front pages of the Wall Street Journal yet again. And it's all about our happiness, happiness and life satisfaction. When we have good conversations, good relationships, are communicating well with the people in our lives, with all the people in our lives, we are likely to have happier, healthier, more productive, and more vibrant lives. And, and what's more, we have a better chance of avoiding and surviving illness and even living longer. Mm -hmm. And again, this has been going on. They've been following people for decades. And this is the common thread is the social aspects of our lives. Um, so there's that benefit, just the happiness factor. There's, we will succeed in our jobs. I'm, again, I think I mentioned earlier that the edge is to be a, a likable person who takes an interest in those around us. So let me ask this. I, I agree with you a thousand percent, if that's possible, on sure. wanting to be a likable person and the importance of it. What do you do if you're in a work environment? And somebody says, I'm not here to be liked. I'm just here to do my job. Leave me alone. Mm. So what feelings does that bring up? <laughs> I know. How, how I'm would I feel? Going, I'm trying how to think about I that feel? other person and get that other person realizing the importance. There are people all over the world that say, I'm not here to be likable. And, and um, my question is, why not? I know I'm more willing to work hard for a boss who's, who's likable. I'm more willing to work in a team where the team members are likable or where we at least trust each other and feel like we're not in any, you know, we're not going to get sabotaged by them or picked at uh, by them. I think likability is under, <laughs> has been underrated. <laughs> you know, I go back in, in the movie Miracle, um, Her, Her Brooks, played by Kurt Russell, yep. made the comment and says, 
all right, look around you. Uh, I'm going to be your coach. I won't be your friend. Mm-hmm. You need one of those, take it up with Doc. Mm-hmm. And he created an environment there of a common enemy, which worked yeah. for a competition environment that he was building. Sure. In the end, he was very likable. Mm-hmm. He also showed the compassion on the other side when he needed to. So it's not about not being likable. Mm-hmm. It's about allowing the likability. Am I, am I going down the right path there? Oh, no, I totally get that. I mean, haven't we all had professors or teachers in school where we knew they were tough? They were not going to be our best friend. They, they were going to be tough on us and they were going to expect excellence from us. But don't we remember and absolutely love those people because, and I don't think they were unlikable. I think they were afraid of us, of feeling like they were gonna, like we were going to be coddled by them. Right. And, you know, right. I think it's complicated. Well, remember the movie um, set in your part of the country, Remember the Titans? Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Where Denzel Washington can see that this newly integrated um, football team has so much potential, but but there's, you know, the, these two teams that have come from different schools and suddenly been thrust together racially and culturally. Um, he tells all of them at their summer camp that they will all have conversations with each other before camp is over because that is how they're going to become a cohesive team. Yeah. And I just, I love that in that movie that, mm-hmm. and he wasn't necessarily very likable in many situations, but he created the results and right. I don't think he could have done that if he hadn't been somewhat likable or at least respected. Exactly. exactly. And I, I actually ask a question in my workshop. Sometimes I say, how many folks have ever worked with someone that they liked, but they didn't necessarily trust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I say, how many have worked with somebody you trusted, but you really didn't like them. That's and then I true. ask the question, would you rather work with somebody you like or somebody you trust? Yeah, I, well, I wins think, every time. And that can, I think this, mm, that's interesting. I think the more serious the situation, the more in, you know, it might be even life or death, like in, a, in the military for, for starters. Um, mm-hmm. I think trust becomes even more important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a core foundation we start to look at. That's a very, that's very interesting, Greg. What a great question. What a yeah. great topic. So let's look at this. In the book, you talk about some uh, appealing qualities that great conversationalists have. Share some of those with us if you can. Okay. Well, um, one chapter is all about the four Ps, and that is to be positive when possible. I mean, we are so inundated with negative news, and our, our personal and psychological negativity bias makes us remember those longer. Mm-hmm. Because, and then again, that's about survival. That's way back when we were cave people. If we heard something about, you know, a horrible bear being, you know, around the corner on the mountain that we were hiking on, we would try to remember that because we don't want to encounter that bear. So our negativity bias just puts us in this place of constantly complaining. So being positive is, is huge. That's a nice start. It doesn't mean that every conversation has to be optimistic, but can we work on doing more of that? Coming from a positive mindset. Coming from a positive mindset, purposeful. I ask people early on in my book and in my presentations, 
what is it that you want out of your conversations? Are, are you wanting more humor? Are you wanting to talk about books? Are you wanting to talk about our feelings or share new, what is it that you want? Because otherwise we end up in these small talk loops that never go anywhere. And we don't ask the questions we'll get that get small us. Small talk in a minute. <laughs> I know. I know we're going to get there. We end up talking about nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just a lot of words floating around, but there's nothing happening. Um, on the other hand, I also tell people to be possibil possibilitarians, which I'm still practicing even saying. Be a possibilitarian. Think of a conversation that you might not be looking forward to. Let's say you're going to. Sunday dinner with extended family, and you know Aunt Mabel's going to be there, and she's probably going to talk yet again about her recent gallbladder surgery, and <laughs> you don't want to go there again. So why don't you be a possibilitarian and think of some questions you could ask Aunt Mabel, maybe about who was her favorite teacher in school? How did she meet Uncle Bob? When did they know they were in love? Why did they get married? ask her some questions about her life that gets her off the gallbladder topic, you know, and that's, that's example in a, you know, social personal setting. This works at work too. Oh, absolutely. Ask a question that gets them off the topic, but it's up to you to find the possibilities. What mm -hmm. are those possibilities? I love the word possibilitarian. Possibilitarian. I have to, that's one I'm gonna have to just get my mouth in shape to say that, um, say that easily. And then, um, Oh gosh, what's the fourth P? <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on that one. Um, let's see, positive, purposeful, possibilitarian. Oh, proactive, this is important. People often think that other people are responsible for introducing you, for introducing themselves to you, or for being the fascinating conversationalist, or even the purposeful or meaningful conversationalist. And I, I get a lot of shocked faces when I tell my um, audiences and participants that we are in charge of our conversations. So if you don't like what's happening in your social life or in your conversation life, it's up to you to change it. So. And, and I get, I always get people with this, wow, really? For example, if you go to a party, the host, it'd be nice if the host introduced you to all the people who are guests, but if it's a big party, the host is probably really busy and it's up to you to start mingling, introduce mm -hmm. yourself. Hello, I'm Patty. How do you know the host? I mean, just so get I it went going. to a holiday party this past uh, holiday season, and it was a larger party. And the host did not have time to do exactly what you're talking about. Right. So what she did was say, you have to meet at least five new people and find three things in common with that person. And you have to tell me about it later. I love it. And it, it, there's your proactivity part. There's a proactivity. I, I went to a networking, a women's networking luncheon mm, two weeks ago. And one of our icebreaker exercises was to sit with a partner at our table. And we each had three by five note cards. And we had something like five minutes to try to find three, just like you said, three things in common. My partner and I, and we thought we knew each other. We decided we were going to try to find new things that we didn't know about each other. And we came up with a list of 10, which wow. blew everybody away. But it required us to think about all the different aspects of our lives, ask each other questions, um, answer listen. honestly, you know, be honest. 
we we found it all kinds of interesting like we thought okay we're going to schedule like a happy hour now to go over all these things but it's just a matter of being proactive so so there's four of them mm -hmm. so let's talk about that dreaded how's the weather oh small talk small talk is essential at a certain point but it becomes dreadful it's a fine line mm. so mm -hmm. when is it right how do we know when to stop it and how do we stop it that's a great question and and i know people that could small talk all day and be perfectly happy and i know people who hate small talk so much that they compare it to what the nails on the chalkboard it is just mm -hmm. painful so there's the whole variety there small talk is a warm-up small talk are niceties what are the obvious things we have in common like it's a beautiful day oh look uh the coffee smells so good oh hey you know it's really crazy the traffic is crazy out there those are we're acknowledging things we have obviously in common right away and again that oxytocin starts to to flow when we do that and think about it greg if someone walked up to you um let's say you're standing in line at the coffee shop in your neighborhood and you know you're going to run into people who are familiar to you and the person next to you leans over and says greg what's your biggest life regret and there's no warm-up <laughs> wouldn't you kind of think that was a little bit odd i mean it might be interesting actually <laughs> we can't just dive into deep topics right away we need some warm-up mm -hmm. we need some warm-up to, to start to connect and to feel each other out a little bit to see is this someone i want to be engaged in a conversation with so but again the ticket is questions and what i often tell my my clients is if you're nervous about going to a wedding a networking function a conference write down some questions on a three by five card or in a notebook or a journal or something just give some thought to the questions you could ask to pull pull them out of pull yourselves out of the small talk tailspin and get you onto some topics that you want to be talking about even if it's hey tell me your story tell me how you got here mm -hmm. how did you end up in this career how did you end up how is it you're ending up at, at this party how do you know the host how how did we get from A to B? And here's something I just want to point out. Um, one of the freebies on my website, intentionalnetworker.com, is the appendix out of more than just talk, which automatically sounds super boring. The appendix is a list of it's a list of conversation starting questions organized by setting. Not that you can't mix and match them, but mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, actually it's a very condensed set of questions based on like hundreds of thousands of questions I've gone through in my research. So that in itself is reason to go to my website and at least sign up for okay. that freebie. So that, that's awesome. So questions. make sure we put that in our show notes as well. Yes, please. Um, let me make a note for that. Um, one of the things I've told people in the past, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here, is if you're struggling to get a conversation started with somebody uh, and you're trying to figure out what we have in common, is first off you got to be genuine about the question you're going to ask i mean you just can't go blah <laughs> right but you know compliment them on something their glasses their hair mm -hmm. um you know a, a ring a bracelet something the suit the tie their smile <laughs> yes yeah yeah 
So is that a good way to get started? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, in today's very sensitive environment, we have to make sure we're being appropriate with our compliments. Uh, so that's just worth mentioning. But um, I, yeah, I have often commented on someone's earrings, someone's shoes. Um, but, I, you know, I can also say, like, there's a woman that I see at the grocery store, she's a checkout clerk. And I often comment on how she's always so friendly to the customers. And and she always works really hard. She never complains. I mean, she's an older woman. She would could probably have a lot of things to complain about, but she's just always so upbeat. And I often say to her, um, Lisa, you know, every time I come through your lane to check out my groceries, I walk away from here feeling happier. And that makes her so happy. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's not hard. So yeah. yeah, complimenting is is great. That's a great way yeah. to start a conversation. So let's talk about D&D. &D. And I'm not talking about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> We're talking about what? Drainers and downers. Yeah. And I devote an entire section when I went through this section, I loved this section. <laughs> well, and I tried to do it with a little bit of humor, but drainers and downers. Well accomplished, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Drainers and downers can be people who are perpetually negative. I don't mean like we all have things that we want to vent and share about. And that's part of what conversations are for, you know, sharing our issues and maybe getting some good advice or just being heard. I mean, those feelings of being heard are just so powerful and positive. Um, but drainers and downers are the people that just chronically complain. Um, in some cases, they, they may just talk way too much and never listen. They may be toxic in ways that, I mean, calculating and sabotaging and um, very damaging to social groups and to work settings. In fact, um, Daniel Goleman, who's an uh, leading expert on social intelligence and emotional intelligence says that if you're constantly around drainers and downers, it acts like slow poison in our bodies. It's literally killing us. It's making us sick. It's making us sad, anxious, angry, worried, time-wasting for sure. So um, we often run into these people when we're in conversation, what can we do about it? Mm -hmm. And I try to cover a spectrum of, you know, let's, <laughs> it's okay to avoid these people if you possibly can. Like, for example, if I'm out walking and I see uh, someone in my neighborhood who I know to be a drainer and downer, I may, um, as I'm approaching them, I'm still going to acknowledge this person most of the time. <laughs> If they're making, if we're within, you know, range of each other, but I'm going to make sure to put up my boundaries and just say, hello, good morning, Bob, and keep walking because I don't want to get caught in their web of negativity. So that's, that's on one end of the spectrum is just. And learning. I walk, I walk with headphones. Yeah. And my phone. I'm always going like this, if that happens, hold my phone. <laughs> there you go. You know, just, you know, just, you know, avoid. Uh, if you want to walk a different route, you can do that too, if, you, if mm -hmm. it really comes to that. But I also work my way all the way through, um, oh, there's a part where I say um, something about compassion with a dab of disinterest, where listen to them for a few minutes and then say, oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, you know, I need to be going. So spending a few moments acknowledging their pain, their complaint, and then making a swift exit using whatever excuse comes to mind, because honestly, 
we have to get away from these folks. But I also share a, um, a technique that is for the very brave and it can have its benefits. And let's say you're in a work environment and you have someone who on your team who is chronically complaining is at the point where they're, they're talking about other people behind their back. They're getting everybody all riled up. The drama level is just accelerating and you feel like you have to do something about this. Set a meeting with this person, bring a big fat notepad and tell them, here we are, we're going to sit down and we're going to capture everything that's on your mind, every complaint, every gripe, we're going to get it all on paper and we're going to sort out the things that we can work on, the things that are just going to be the way they are and then the things that are in your court, which often <laughs> surprises them. What? There could be some of these things could be my problem. And uh, I actually know somebody that actually we probably both know this person, but I won't reveal who it is, who did this with an organization that we both belong to. <laughs> and it was actually quite effective. It was actually quite effective in that the person felt heard. The person stopped their toxic behavior because they were called on it. And there were some definite problems that needed to be addressed. So mm -hmm. in that case, yeah. you know, setting aside an hour or two and let's, let's just get it all out on the table. Yeah. And this is a one-time thing. That's the other thing. We're not going to do this every week. This is a one-time thing. Being very business-like about it. Stop the drainer and downer in his tracks. That's powerful. That's great that for leaders. That's a powerful thing for a leader to do because the leader can come at it from the leadership position about how it's impacting the team. Let's get it mm -hmm. all out on the table now. Mm -hmm. And let's sort out what's What's our responsibility? What can't we can't fix because it's just the way this is just our environment. Mm -hmm. This is the situation. Yeah. And what is your responsibility? Yeah, I still remember years ago hearing Zig Ziglar talk. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And Zig talked about a woman complaining about everything at work. I hate my work. I hate it. He said, well, let's sit down for a minute. I want you to tell me everything you love about your job. She starts going, I don't have, I don't love anything about my, do they pay you? Yeah. You like to get paid, right? Well, yeah. He made them list all the positives. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just so powerful. I've never forgotten that yeah. at all. Again, it's that we have this negativity bias and, you know, I had a, a, just a quick story. I went to the post office the other day to drop off some copies of my books that I was shipping out. And I was so pleased that the post office clerk had a very bright, happy, energetic countenance. And she was, you know, I said, wow, I, I actually commented on that. Like I said, I've done in the past. Wow, this is actually a really happy post office. I'm glad I picked this one. And she was really positive until I don't know what happened. I honestly don't know what shifted things. But all of a sudden, she started talking about how this was such a terrible world to be bringing up a daughter. Like, I'm so sad for my daughter. The world is so terrible. I just don't know. And I actually said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I've raised a son. I, you know, I haven't raised a daughter. I've been a daughter. Mm -hmm. But I said, what other era would you have preferred her to grow up in? And she stopped for a minute. And I said, you know, the world's never going to be perfect. There's all kinds of problems in the world, all kinds of issues. But boy, you know, just modern dentistry alone would prevent me from saying, oh, let's go back to the good old days of the 1920s or whatever era you think was better and and realize we have so many positive things to be grateful for oh yeah yeah and yeah. i don't think that attitude is empowering for her daughter no no yeah. and it's my expression has always been you cannot change someone else's behavior mm -hmm. 
you can only give them a reason that they want to change. Mm -hmm. And then they make that decision. That's right. And so I was in San Francisco airport pre 9-11. And uh, one of these, it was obviously pre TSA at that point, the security person said, Hi, how are you today? I said, I am doing exceptionally well. Thank you for asking. And she said, Well, somebody's in a good mood. (laughs) Talk about a drainer and downer right there. Like they almost resented that you were happy. And I said, why would you ever choose to not be in a good mood? Good for you. And a light bulb went off and she turned her head. You're right. It is my choice. Yeah, good. Well, and and but you've been around other people who um, almost take great pleasure in being unhappy. Yes, there are people and I do who mention get high that. on being negative. Yeah, I mentioned those people like there are going to be people that resent you being happy, successful, you know, in a good mood, able to cope, resilient, all those things. And we have to recognize those people. And I would put those in the avoidance category whenever possible. <laughs> now that day in San Francisco, I went around the corner and stood there for about five minutes. And I watched this person interact with other people. Her whole attitude changed. Oh, good. And it was probably changed until the next person came by and screamed at her. Mm. Because so many of us can be swayed. And if we have the right attitude, we can be the person helping that other person to want to sway and change for the positive. Because we're not swaying for the positive, we're swaying for the negative. You know, and the thing is, can you imagine that even if 10% of us worked at, you know, like, again, I'm just trying to sell books here, not not because I want to make a lot of money, but I want to change the world. I want, I want there to be a lot more happy, positive, meaningful, productive conversations and fewer mm-hmm. awkward, negative, contentious, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it, if it's 10% of us could do this, I think it, it would help a lot. Absolutely. As we get ready to wrap things up, Patty, I want to ask you a question. What's one thing someone can take from this podcast that he or she could do in the workplace? And let's try and keep it to work for a second here. Mm -hmm. That he or she could do in the workplace to have better conversations with people that they work with, they see on a daily basis, or they interact with if they're on a remote or hybrid team. Well, I'm going to actually bring up a quick story that we didn't talk about, and it's a story about a woman. Her name's Deborah Ann Smith, and she decided when she was doing a lot of uh, temporary work, she brought a little sign with her to work and put it on her desk, and it was initially meant to be a reminder to her, and the little sign said, be excellent to each other, and what she discovered is people started noticing her sign, asking her about her sign, noticing that she was being kind, caring, complimentary, cooperative. Well, those are, those always begin with the C word, with C. Um, Anyway, she put the sign wherever she went and it was just on her desk. It wasn't meant to be in the bulletin board or the coffee room or anything like that. She started with herself and be excellent to each other became the mantra of every business that she spent time in. And so she actually wrote um, an article about it for a popular magazine. That's where I saw it. But she also wrote a book about it. And it's be excellent to each other, care, be kind, you know, be curious. It goes back. It takes a lot fewer muscles to smile than it does to frown. Absolutely. 
you know absolutely yeah it's, it's such a powerful powerful thing mm -hmm. so following that mantra if we all walk out of here thinking about how to be more excellent to someone else mm -hmm. tomorrow and as james clear talks about in atomic habits yeah one day one day two days three days after more than 21 days folks it does become a habit it's a habit it's a habit so i mean acknowledge people look at them smile nod say hello good morning use their name hello good morning greg how's your day going people just want to be acknowledged and i think we've gotten very lazy about just skipping over that we're too busy we're on our phone we have work we're on to zoom do and just like oh it doesn't matter yeah. we're on zoom i need some me time <laughs> yeah acknowledge and greet and say people's names and be kind um let's just start there and see mm -hmm. what happens yeah yeah we could keep going on for this so once again you want to hold your book up for us I so sure everybody gets will. a chance to see it more, than, more just talk. than just talk obviously amazon's got it uh mm -hmm. and probably bookstores all over the country will have it so yeah go out, pick it up it's one of those books and what i've noticed in going through the book is there are some parts in there where you actually have some homework to do in the book yes this is not a sit down by the fire with your significant other on a friday night when it's cold and read it together mm-hmm without doing a little work and bring it to work. I mean, some of these reflections are meant to work well as discussion questions too. like if you have like a Monday morning huddle, mm -hmm. uh, have a question of the day or a question of the week for everybody to ponder. Um, it's meant to be both a, a book that can help you in your personal life as well as in your professional life. Great. If folks want to reach out to you and learn more about you, what can they do? They can go to my website, intentional networker.com or they can even email me patty danucci just like it's spelled p-a-t-t-i-d-e-n-u-c-c-i at gmail.com i'm also on linkedin um, i'm on facebook i don't twitter very much anymore i don't like the environment there it's just, it's a drainer and downer right there sorry that's a double d that's a double d and i don't mean duncan it's a double d for sure no yeah. we're not we're not going there anyway yeah please reach out if you have questions if i can help you and do go to my website so you can get some of my free resources because yeah, you got free they're, they're resources. meant to give you a and sample. That's right there on the main page. They can find the free resources. It's There's a pop-up, but there's also a banner, so you can't okay. miss it. All right. Patty, once again, thank you. Patty Danucci joining us about how to have better conversations with everybody we come in contact with. Patty, it's been a privilege to have you with us. And you know, once a week, folks, with the Teamwork Advantage, you get ideas that you can implement immediately. And Patty definitely shared a number of things we can start doing right away. So always remember this, having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know that you're not average. So go make today excellent and exceptional. Until next week, when we bring somebody new in, make sure you do that every single day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.
You've been listening to the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit TeamsRock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.